0: My is black. What you looking Masking at? My is black. What you looking Masking at? My is black. What you looking Masking at? Is Welcome black. to episode fifty-six of the Black in Fashion podcast. Um, I have Tara here with me today. Of is trap racks, right? Yes, tracks, racks, tracks, tra- <laughs> racks, tracks, <laughs> racks. All sound right, Tara- the all right tara so why don't we just jump right on in um i just want to know a little bit more about the app about you about everything so before we get in i'm gonna just do my little icebreaker that i start with um it's just this or that and then just pick which one you like more than the other okay sounds good motorcycles or trench jackets
1: trench jackets uh
0: like a dad fitted hat or like berets
1: Mm. A beret. I love a beret. Love a beret. <laughs> uh,
0: are you a mule mules or wedges? Wedges. I love Mid- a sturdy base. <laughs> yes. MIDI or Mini? Uh MIDI. MIDI. Perfect. All right. So why don't we start with um sorry, let me know um like where you're from. Give me a little bit about your background. Um, you know, and what fueled you to this, uh, this retail fashion world
1: yeah so I've been all over the place um, I was born and raised in the Bahamas um, oh, nice. yes yeah, so I was born and raised in the Bahamas uh, did high school in South Florida um, started my college education in DC um, and eventually finished like right back in Florida and then moved to New York the first time probably in 2012 yeah 2012. Um, where I did my MBA in fashion and management at L.A.M. College.
0: I went to L.A.M. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yes, I went. To, I moved to New York to get my MPS in fashion and management and merchandising at L.A.M. Oh,
1: perfect. Yeah. So you know this whole scene. Yes, so actually, I came up with Tracks while I was interning um, and attending L.A.M., so uh, that's crazy. Um, worked in retail for a while. I came up with the company while I was interning. Um, I was interning for a stylist and got just like a firsthand crash course of how broken the sample management process was. I was just like running up and down New York, picking up samples from different showrooms and different designers, bringing it back to the studio and just throwing everything together and got an idea. Um, luckily, we were doing a launching new ventures course at um, LAM that semester. So just pitched the idea to my classmates. And they all thought it was a really good idea. Um, So fast forward um, through going through a lot of different stages of my career, I ended up being a marketing manager for a Canadian shoe retailer. And then I started building out the platform. So what TraxRax is, is a web and mobile application. And it's a sample management tool that helps you just streamline the entire process. Um, It's just a digital tool that helps you with all checking in items, checking out samples, it creates a virtual showroom, so it helps with pull requests, um, loanouts, um, all the different parts of the sample management process. We also have messengers on the platform that can deliver the samples for you. So it's a beginning to end solution for sample management.
0: Yeah. I love that. That is super dope. Thank you. Yeah. So how long have you uh, been in business? Like when did you start it?
1: Yeah, so I came up with the idea in 2012, but I didn't start working on it until 2018. Um, while I was still doing my job, I started building out the platform. Because after I started working in my position, I worked closely with the web development team. So I started learning some of that tech language that I need to really build out the platform. And I quit my job 2000 in, Yeah, to, 2018. So I started building in 2017 quit my job March 2018 and we went live November 2018.
0: Oh wow that is amazing. Did you find it where you at all intimidated by the whole technical side of it? Um, was it very you know hard to get it all up and running? Was that what challenges did you face? Yeah
1: so initially definitely intimidated and I think that's why I waited so long from conception because um during my mba like our capstone project that's the concept that i used um it had the name already i already built a business plan um had a pitch deck all these things but i just didn't know where to even start with uh trying to build something like that that's so far out of my range i'm going my skill sets um so i definitely was intimidated but got that confidence after having to manage a team even though it was creating homepages and emails and different stuff like that, just for the retail company I was working for, I just realized I knew how to direct them and I can say what I wanted. um, And I knew how to describe it sort of in their language. So I got a little bit more comfortable, but definitely still very intimidated. I didn't know my way around it, but I knew I felt more confident enough to try um to see how far I could get and see and I know what I wanted the system to do what, what I want it to look like so I just said let me try it and see what happens because I know I'll regret if I never do it but yeah there's a lot of because I don't have a tech background it's definitely sometimes difficult um the testing part is so tedious you like build it and you test it and then something can go wrong then you test it again there's a new feature and then you have to think of how that's going to work with the other feature and how this is going to work with that. So sometimes it can be a bit of a puzzle. Um, And those things are really difficult. Um, Nothing's more frustrating when you're about to do a demo or you're about to, you're ready to sign on a new customer and something goes wrong on the tech end. Um, So those things are very frustrating because I'm such a hands-on person, but if something's wrong in like the tech space and the code, like I can't just jump in and fix it. I have to, delegate that task to my engineers and explain what's wrong then I have to wait for them to fix it and that's really hard for someone like me who's like there's a problem let me fix it let me get my hands dirty and so that's one thing but having a tech solution if you're not like a, a have a tech background you have to rely on really building a really smart team.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So you find that there are a lot of um opportunities in like the fashion tech space for black women or um did you feel like you, you really did just have to go out there and just like create your own opportunities
1: um definitely well the tech space in general one is very white or yeah very white dominated and also very um', um it's a man sort of world in the tech space so even in the fashion tech space um so fashion tech can be broken up into like three different categories. You have, like, the AR, VR type of space, so virtual reality and augmented reality for, like, future retails concepts. Um, You have, like, 3D printing or, like, some fashion tech, which more is, like, the wearables category. So, like, um, Apple Watch and Google Glass, those are wearables. So fashion that also function as tech. And then you also have uh, the... I'm at where they're business solutions um, for fashion companies. So using tech to solve um, problems in the fashion industry. Um, all those, the wearables category, you see a little bit more women in that category uh, because of the design aspect of it, but the actual um, like technology backing of it is very male dominated and fashion in, in general, even though like in the lower levels is woman dominated, when you get to the upper levels, is also very male dominated as well. I don't think a lot of people um, know that. Um, so it is sort of interesting. Uh, it's sort of double edged stores. It's definitely not, I don't think I've run into another black, I've run into one other black female um, founder in the text, fashion tech space. Um, it's very few and far between. So it definitely gives you like a bit of imposter syndrome. You are a bit intimidated, but, um, you get sort of confident knowing that you know what you know, and I know my space very well, and I can talk about my space, um, and not to be, um, intimidated and you have to sell yourself a lot. So you have to get really used to talking about yourself, talking about your product and like coming off confident if you're really going to close customers.
0: Gotcha. Do you feel like when you go out there and you pitch that, you know, people are looking at you and a, like, oh, that's what you do? Like very shocked. Mm-hmm. So you get that wow factor when people find out and it's like, oh, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Yes. Yeah. yeah, no,
1: that definitely happens a lot. And it's also, I think, a double edged sword. I would like be very when people ask what you do. Like I always like have like a pause about it, like for the longest like roots felt weird about being like, oh, I have a fashion tech company, like I have a startup, Um, because I know that's probably the last thing they expect me to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, there is a little like, oh, really? That's crazy. Um, So I definitely now, like the last couple of years really worked on saying it with my chest, like getting, being really confident when I say it. It's like, yeah, I have a fashion tech company. This is what we do. This is how we do it. But it definitely does throw people off, especially because people don't really know all the possibilities in the fashion industry, like even I didn't know when I first got into it, um, finding out about L.A.M. and just like the business of fashion and all the avenues and that type of the part of the career. And then now jumping on to this tech space and e-commerce like these are new things I've learned in the last two years post my education. Um, and I think people just don't know all the possibilities in the fashion industry in general. So when they see someone playing a role that they would not expect, it is sort of a shocker.
0: Gotcha. So when you were working for different like fashion companies, what mm-hmm. do you feel like was the, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, there? Um,
1: so with different companies, um, especially in my last role, um, what we focused on a lot was sort of the omni-channel experience. So making your um, e-commerce platform really connected to your retail experience so if I'm having a sale, if I go in store and I see a sale, I should be able to go online and have that same sale and have that same experience and sort of the branding and the marketing and how do you translate online to e-commerce? How do you make that a transition, like a an easy transaction? Um, if I want to return a product that I purchased online in store, how's that an easy transaction? So that's like one of the biggest things that retailers are really facing of um, producing a really omni-channel experience, like not just thinking of e-commerce is over here and retail is over here, like these all should connect together and there should be a really big flow. So that's one of the um, previous things I really saw. Um, and then when when I was interning for the stylist, like I just saw, like there weren't a lot of management tools for fashion companies. And they sort of do a lot of things very manually and archaic. And the way they do things is the way they do things. And and they won't really have a better explanation besides that. Um, And so sometimes they can be really slow to change with technological solutions. Um, And that was sort of a shocker to me. If you're in the industry, you sort of know that, like, people can be stuck in their ways. But, like, it's such a creative and, like... um, industry so based on trends and what's new that you would think like if there's like this new solution that solves your problems people would like jump right on it so um i was just surprised how slow to adopt they were
0: gotcha gotcha so in the app and in the platform mm-hmm. is there a way to track like when things are um i don't want to say broken but like torn or damaged like, yeah dry cleaning like that yes. aspect of it
1: Definitely. So yeah, so when you check in a sample on our platform, um, you have to initially mark off if it's um, damaged or broken, like we won't allow it to come into the system. And then if it is damaged um, or broken, there's a whole separate report that we make you do of all the information of how it got damaged, all that information. So we are storing that information because to me, um, not only that there could be issues with damaged samples and lost samples, Are you tracking that? That's like a part of your one of key metrics of your business. And that's something that you should be tracking Um, and that's you should be holding employees accountable for. So the employee has to log that in so that, you know, when you see a rip's pants, you can't be like, whoa, how did this get like this? Does anybody know what happened? You sort of create a system of employee accountability. I think there's so many like loose networks and ties. You have people just running in and out. And what I really wanted was a central database that everyone in the company can sign in and see what's going on and be on top of things.
0: That is so dope. I love that. So you find that you're using, do you feel like you're utilizing the app in more? Like, I guess, like, because you're saying, like, when they, they go out and they're like, giving to other people and stuff like that so i'm Mm -hmm. assuming like more so for designers then because designers are more so like loaning out the stuff and sending Mm -hmm. out stuff Where it's just like in some places, I'm just thinking about like my corporate fashion experiences and stuff. Every time we send something out to a uh, retailer, like whether it be Mm -hmm. P.P. approval or like T.L.P. approval, so it does it break it up in your app for the different the type of sample Mm -hmm. that it is. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have different types, right? So there are different users for us. So there's like the retailers, like you're seeing, like that corporate space. So people who might be just be in the like buying process, people who are in the PR process. We also do it a lot for like production or people who are just in charge of e-commerce. So they have to get the samples shot for photo shoots to get it online for e-commerce as well. So there's a bunch of different users. Um, then you have the stylists or fashion publications who are just getting the samples in and then they're checking them out. It's not something that they will store for them. Um, and you also have the PR showrooms who are getting press um, for those samples as well. So we have a bunch of different user types. Um, so there are the features sort of mold to those different user types. So some of you, like, and that's a, a good part of when I do my demos is like these are the features I know you're going to use like we have the system set up for any type of fashion customer but I know this is the features you'll use the most you're probably going to use the virtual showroom where you're just loaning out that sample you need to keep track of who you loan that out to and have a quick process of receiving it back um so yeah Or you're just checking in a sample. You need it for a photo shoot. After the photo shoot, you need to send it back to who you got it to. And you want to make sure it's the right sample and it's going to the right place. Um, So we have a system sort of for both of those things.
0: That's amazing. I love that. So who would you say your ideal customer is?
1: Yeah. um, So that's shift over time, which is the interesting part when you sort of create a company that sort of always changes, right? You go in mind of what you think the problem is and the solution and who your customer is. And then the market tells you different. So um, definitely I was leaning more to like the showrooms and the stylists because that was my first real experience. Um, But then when I launched in November, 2018, and we start meeting with some of other retailers just through my connections, we met with like Calvin Klein and um, Uniqlo and they were telling me how big the problem was for them. And when I thought the real issue was external, a lot of sample loss just happens internally. So just going from marketing to PR or from production to e-commerce, that's where a lot of sample loss happens. Because um, if someone's in the same company, you're just going to go to the sample room. You're going to pick something up and walk off. And like you're not going to do good, a good job on accounting for where it's going, who it's going to. Um, so then I really switched my platform to really focus on that retailer client. That's like my big client. They're doing a lot of sample movement. Um, and they really need a, they really need a tool, a, a digital tool to manage that system. It's not something, well, it's something that some people are doing by excels. You'd be surprised at big retailers are doing it by Excel, but they know it's not doing a good job. And if they will honestly tell me, oh, we lose a lot of samples. We don't really know where everything is. And it's a lot of money. Like they can use, you can lose up to $1.5 million just in like post sample production because you're creating multiple samples, you're losing them. Um, It's a big problem for a retailer.
0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is amazing. I really love this tar. (laughs) All the different ways, like it could be utilized in like different places and like different systems and stuff like that. Would you say that, um, that, It's like when it comes to, I guess, like pricing, Mm -hmm. is it tiered to how big the company size is and how much um, merchandise is going in there as far as like SKUs and stuff like that? Or Mm -hmm. would you say that even with a smaller company, um, they might not have as many, would you say that it would still be beneficial for them as well?
1: Yeah, so that was also a big part for me too. So any other platform that was on the company, I think it was only enterprise based. And I was like, this is not a problem just for the big retailer. This is a problem for, like you said, like that designer who's just starting out, who's maybe doing their own, like, um, sample management, sending things out to press themselves or sending them to celebrity stylists and different stuff like that. But they need to be really, um, really uh, diligent about their fashion samples because they want to make sure they don't have that many resources to be making multiples. Um, You know, you're also using your samples for runway shows, too. So they want to do a good job of making sure they're keeping track of it. So our pricing is based like that. So it's based on how many users um, and features. So a lot of the basic features is what I think a smaller company would be using. And then the really extensive, like, integrations and stuff would be sort of for the higher retail clients. So I want our system to be able to grow and scale with our customer. So as the customer grows, they can go to another plan and sort of the pricing also increases with that
0: nice i like that it's like a month-to-month plan too yes that was also important (laughs) to me
1: because a lot of um solutions like we'll do that yearly plan and a lot of people don't have that money up front um but a month-to-month plan sort of works with them and also some um fashion companies are don't carry all seasons they only do fall winter they only do winter um some are only summer some are only summer spring so I want my plan to be adjustable. You might not need it all year round because you're not really doing that much sample movement on the off season. So what does that look like? How do we meet the needs of that customer? So definitely took that into account. And that, that's why I was really into the month to month membership.
0: Love that. Love that. So what would you say is like some of the biggest challenges that, that the fashion industry as a whole is facing?
1: In the fashion tech space?
0: Just as a whole. The oh, fashion space? Yeah. Oh.
1: So we have all day.
0: Um, (laughs) Right now, (laughs) I think... There's a lot of them.
1: (laughs) There's so much. Which, like, COVID sort of um, did a good job, like, in all the craziness. It sort of showed the faults in the industries. Like, some of our shortcomings. Um, One, just, like, the... A lot of the department stores aren't won't be around after this crisis. It's going to be very interesting to see how the fashion industry changes and moves after this. Um, we need to change the way we do retail. Um, I think especially um, the fashion industry is going to be really impacted because people won't shop the way they used to. Just like that whole process of shopping is going to be changing. Um, they're really looking into like, cashless stores now um, and how you can go to a store... Have an app, pick up what you want, and just leave without like making any interactions with um, customers, with the cashier, um, no exchange of money or cards. So I think um, future retail and um, retail tech is really interesting to me as well because I think the way we do things is a little bit outdated in retail, and we have so many new technologies that we don't implement. But like our shopping taste is really different. Um, the soda sort of crisis showed. Like a lot of people became e-commerce shoppers, <clears throat> excuse me, who typically wouldn't be e-commerce shoppers. And like, how are we going to switch them back to going in stores? So for me, I like don't, I barely shop in stores to begin with. So this only solidifies what I do even more. I never like in-person grocery shops. I like to do everything.
0: Me either. Left. I'm such a Marley Spoon, Blue Apron Yes, kind of girl. like why? I'm an
1: Amazon yes, Fresh so. girl. Like why would I go through that struggle? <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I don't, I, I'm like in that same space. Like I, Amazon, I do Target, and like they have, Target has like the same day shipping, and exactly. I just don't like carrying stuff. The amount of money it would take me to like getting a lift and like that's go what I say. The car doesn't make any sense, it especially make- when you live in New York City. Like, None it's at all. A struggle.
1: It's a struggle, and the pricing difference is just not significant enough to make me want to carry five um, grocery bags up uh, right stuff. <laughs> So. Um, that's really going to be solidified. So, like, with like now, people have that extra fear of like being in contact with people beyond the whole just nuisance of the shopping experience. And so, how is that going to impact retail and how we shop? So, I think um, we have to work that and like waste, just like our just waste we use with um, fashion in general. We use a lot of water, there's a lot of throwing away. Like, what's going to happen to like these whole collections that basically never got a, ta- a chance to sell? Like you can see if you go on a lot of the fashion sites now, everything's on sale because they have to get all that spring collection all like out of stock because they have new clothing already coming in and they never really got a chance to sell this whole season. Um, So it's going to be really interesting how we dispose fashion because like, is everything just going to end up in a landfill? Um, So it's going to be very interesting. I think There's a lot of problems with the way we handle the excess inventory and we overproduce um, in our industry. And a lot of industries are seeing the effects of overproduction, but fashion industry is going to be hit really hard because it's just not a top, like everyone's living in their pajamas. Like no one needs a bunch of new clothes right now. So what's going to happen to all these clothes we just made? Um, So it's going to be interesting. We have to do a really good job in changing how we do fashion production and much more in a knee braces.
0: Wow. So that is so like what my business is built. You know, do you not know have a consulting business? I yes, I business. saw that you do
1: have a consulting business, but I want to learn more about it cuz that's really interesting to me.
0: Yeah. So I speak like when I do, cause I do product development, my entire business is product development and production mm-hmm. for emerging and inspiring designers. So I speak a lot to making sure that when we get to the production stage, mm-hmm. that you know exactly what it is that we're producing. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to have an even number across the board. Like we don't have to have five smalls, five mediums, five largest. So After the product development stage, I'm always like test the market, Mm -hmm. put it out there, do your photo shoots, do your fashion preview, do your pop-up shop, take pre-orders. So that way when we get into that production space. You're like, I want. Six blacks and medium i want 10 like be very very specific so that way you're not sitting on inventory yeah so i really really push my customers to my clients mm-hmm. to really really test that market space and figure out exactly what it is that they need to make because i feel like a lot of people think oh i always want to i want to manufacture products and i want to make this and i want to make that and i'm just like okay but well you need to figure out who your consumer is first. yes and like if they want that product that you're making Exactly. Like you have to connect that target consumer to that product. And then I also did a live with Jessica Couch recently. She's the owner and she's in the fashion tech space too. Mm-hmm. Um She has a company called Luxor and Finch and they match products to fit. They match consumers to the fit. Mm-hmm. So that way it eliminates returns. It eliminates exchanges like exactly. and actually creating... And actually creating garments that, like, this is for this specific body type. So I kind of challenge all of my clients to think in that way. Like, who is your girl? How is she shaped? How tall is she? Mm-hmm. And then once you test it out, we're only making enough production. that makes sense. If you're getting a lot of pre orders in medium, okay, medium is the going trend. Exactly. Let's make sure we make a couple of things in stock for that and utilizing that data research that you're getting from testing it out and pre ordering. And that's the way you set your production standards. So, and I definitely understand that space because I'm always just like, oh, it's like, what, what hypothetically, <laughs> if I was making 20, why would you be making 20 when you don't even have a customer yet? Yeah. Like, so I was going to pull them back in. Like, okay, you're thinking too fast. Like you're all the way in production. Yeah. You have to skip into product, product development yet. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Which is like also like a big feature, which I was trying to build into my product um, right now. So the, like the um, insights and trends, because I think samples is like you said, it's like pre season, right? So it's mm-hmm. allowing you to see some of the trends. So I'm saying like I create a popularity report um for the virtual for the showroom so you've seen that this sample is getting loaned out a lot and it's this color and it's this style and it's this designer because you know showroom can have multiple different designers so i think from this analysis we can see that this style is trending um this color is trending uh this design is trending for you so then take this information that you're getting just from your sample loan outs to then, excuse me, um, then go back to your production and say, hey, I think this is going to do really well because um, the press, the market, the first sort of adopters were really responding to this style.
0: Wow. This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. And I I'm thinking it. of it, it, a it. bunch of different insights and trends to build on it because I do think, like um, like you said, like making smart production, taking the insights and reports. and. Um, I'm taking it from one customer, what if I take all the insights I get from all of my customers, like from this showroom, this is what's trending well and I aggregate that information together and I provide that insight and sell that back to my customer of like so from the 10 retailer clients I have, this style is doing the best this SKU is performing the best, this um, type of garment is performing the best, this color is performing the best for the season. And then so you can sort of look at your inventory and sort of make an early decision um, from sort of the early tastemakers. If you have it on, if this um, sample is going to be on the cover of Vogue, you're sort of letting, um, and the editor wanted that sample, she's sort of selecting the trend and we know sort of fashion can be sort of this trend and follow. If they select that blue is going to be hot this season, it sort of makes blue hot this season. And then that sort of mm-hmm. impacts the consumer's um, decision as well. So taking that information and seeing of all the insights and information I can provide to my customers, because I think data is king right now, right? Um, you want to um, be a smart, you um, want to be a smart owner right now. You want to be a smart retail um, company.
0: So for me, because I'm trying to figure out how I can utilize this in my space, yes. I don't know if you have this, but if you do, that would be great. So for in my space, I do the fit sample first mm-hmm. and then we may do like a virtual fitting um, depending on where the customer is located and then we'll send it out to them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, any um, alterations or anything we may it needs to be sent back to us so that we can utilize that to Adjust the pattern. Mm-hmm. Then, once we adjust the pattern, of course, we're making like that final sale sample, mm-hmm. and then we make that final sale sample that is for the customer to keep and to utilize for their marketing and all that good mm-hmm. jazz. But then, when they're done with their marketing, I need that final sale sample back to be used as my soap by sample once it hits the factory, Uh-oh. right? And then, one, yeah, and then once it hits the factory, I'm utilizing as my soap by sample. But then, I need the factory to make me a pre production mm-hmm. sample so that we, just in case there's any differences from the way that I made it and then the way the market was graded and then the pre-production sample would need to get approved by my customer before moving into production
1: that's really interesting to me so like me you can we're yeah. gonna have a whole call after this I know it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's gonna that's really interesting to me because what people don't realize like you get it but when I'm, I'm explaining the concept of samples to people like people don't mm-hmm. realize how many versions of them there are and yes. how many different samples there are and how important and intricate it is to the whole fashion process so like mm. a process like that I love nothing more than making that digital like right now what yes I doing, wish you yes. girl when
0: I tell you I'm having a freaking like it's so hard over here that's like how can this help me I need I need. Help. yes I we love have, I actively I actively have 67 clients that are currently in product development and production you gotta think each of those clients have at least five to six pieces per stop you know per yes. line so if I have a lot and I'm overwhelmed and I need help. (laughs) Yes, and
1: I'm definitely going to dive into that with you. But, like, this is a process that I made digital too. So I made our virtual showroom. You were able to share that link. So your virtual showroom, you add all the samples that you have for your um, season. And say for a PR showroom or even designer, now they have this virtual showroom, which has all the SKU information, all that good jazz, color, season, all that great stuff. So say a stylist um, or even, like, a fashion publication says they want to pull some looks for them. They can share a link, and it can show them everything in their virtual showroom. Instead of sending them lookbooks, and then from that shareable link, they can click what samples they want to pull. And you, as the account holder, can hide some samples. So in case you don't want them to see some things that you know you want to save for another client, or even if a samples currently loaned out, it won't be visible to them. Um, or um, even if it is um, currently loaned out, you can decide whether you want to show it because you know it's going to be back in time. Um, You have all those control features. And so then that person gets that shareable link. They click the ones they want and they say, I want this style. This is um, the shoot I want it for. This is the dime I want it for. And they put in that pull request and that's now a digital pull request. And you can decide to approve, modify it, all these different things. So, I think of different processes and flows. Like that's 20 emails normally. Like that's a back and absolutely
0: yeah.
1: that's several PDFs. That's a lot of yes, no, maybe. I got to see the date on this (laughs) one. I'm checking to see when this one comes back. And like, how can I digitalize that whole process? I love simplifying processes like that. Because I know that's like a click. That's a mouse click. That's like a shareable link. That's something that can be done so easy in tech. And why are we doing it manually? so different processes like that, like what you're describing, I love to take that process and like, oh, how can I make that a digital, seamless process for my customer?
0: Yes, think that would be yes. Look like, at like go ahead, y'all, like yes, please help, help me. You. <laughs>
1: but then the greatest thing is like me helping you. I know that's a problem, not that you just have. That's a problem many different clients have. So that's a yes. bigger um solution for the industry. And like you said, when there's any loss or there's any um, incorrect calculations. Um that causes a chain of effects. And how do we minimize yeah. that chain of
0: effects? Yeah, I recently had a um a little like a uh, issue with a customer that we sent fit samples to, and then she said she never received a tracking number and then like the package got stolen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh god, like I can't make these fit samples over. Yes. You know? <laughs> anyway, so I was having that issue, and I was just like, you know, and I was using US yes you know and i put the information there but i guess there's just a delay on that aspect but she told me she felt like if she just would have had a tracking number from the get-go she could have avoided it which i don't think that's necessarily true because if someone's going to say which is yes yeah, so i was this, like, uh no that is accurate but okay <laughs> but the that part is a big part of
1: why i created the track track tracker so like in new york when i was working for the stylist um, we would have um, courier messengers coming in all day, picking up samples and dropping them off. And would because this is New York and this is how people operate in New York, they would notice all these people coming. And so eventually, like, sometimes just random people will come off the street and be like, I'm here to pick up a, a a package. And it would be a complete stranger, and they sold that package. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. Game game. This is like real serious. So, the good part of a process I built in was like the messenger part where you have a face that's coming and they have rankings and you know about their pricing. And then you can sort of see your sample moving when it's set for delivery, giving you alerts and all these information as a sample like, oh, the sample's been p- picked up, the sample's on its way, the sample's being delivered. And you're getting these notifications. So because I know sample theft is like a big part of the process, too, that people don't speak about, but like it happens a lot um, and it causes great delays when that happens.
0: Do you have that space um, in like beyond New York? as well because I have a lot of clients in like Texas and Atlanta mm-hmm. and Virginia and Miami and is there a way to well for you'll probably think about it now that you have it if you yeah. don't like a way to track that stuff like um when is, when you have to depend on the like, USPS. Or USPS okay? Um yeah so yeah. that's an
1: integration we're working on and right now the Messenger process, um, we launched in New York is obviously just testing it out and seeing the need of the market. And then the goal is to expand on to different markets. Um, but definitely trying to um, integrating just the UPS part so you can just track that within the system. Um, but then you can also use the messengers on our platform for like inner city movement. But definitely trying to build into different markets. That's definitely the goal, to get into many cities as
0: possible. Love that. Okay, that is amazing. You've done... That's crazy that you've done so many, like, great things in, like, such a short time. Like, what can we, like, look to see, you know, from you, like, in the future, like, within the next five years? Like, what are your goals?
1: Um, Yeah, so my goal, like, you talked a lot of some of my goals. Like, I want to sort of connect the whole system. So I want us to start really working in silos and faction. Like, how can we make the communication with the manufacturers quicker? Um, Because w- sometimes manufacturers try to sign up for my system um we have like a manufacturing agent who's on our platform because they send out so many samples too and they want to keep track of their samples too so what if we can make making a system that connects so what if the your manufacturers on your um when you go on your platform you can communicate with your manufacturer you can re- communicate with your different retailers who are hosting your um sam- who are hosting your lines you can communicate with the stylists you can communicate with the fashion publications I sort of want to create this retail ecosystem when everyone's connected and we can sort of create an easier movement of the samples if you have all your main profiles just built in there already. So I really want to continue creating business solutions for fashion companies and just kind of um, connecting the ecosystem. I feel like we all operate in silos and I just want to create a system where everything's connected.
0: Gotcha. It makes sense. Will the the people that you're communicating with do they have to have the system as well or do you just got to have it you can just like like you said the shareable link they don't know have have so
1: the system, that's the right? other thing like i really wanted to do um eventually i hope everyone comes onto my platform but right now it's like, <laughs> um, no i want people who don't have the system so if you are checking in someone's sample um say you're a stylist and you got a sample from um a designer you, their client, all their information is saved to your system already, and so when you checked in, you sent an email gets sent to them. Hey, your um, sample's been checked in by this employee. Um, we'll update you when your sample's be ready to be returned, and that's that's a um, notification someone who doesn't even have the system gets. So I wanted to communicate with people because it's such a communication process who don't even have the platform, and hopefully them seeing how easy and simple the transaction was when working with someone who did have the system encourages
0: them to sign up. Gotcha. Amazing. Okay. Really, really enjoyed that talk, Tara. I feel like we need to talk yes. more. <laughs> can help. You can help me control the space that I'm in right Gosh. now, but thank you so much for joining me. Is there any like, um, inspo or like muse? I like, I like, to do this like little segment called um like it's a music inspo just to like inspire others Is there any readings um any books doesn't have to be fashion oh. related just you know that you utilize that you feel like well you know help your next like fellow entrepreneur. sure
1: hold on i gotta look at my audible um um <laughs> no problem yes. uh contagious by ryan holiday contagious, contagious. yes it talks nice. about what makes things viral I think that's, contagious. yeah, I might have the author wrong, but it's called Contagious. It, it's about uh, making things viral. And I like it because it talks about the different triggers we experience um, that causes things to be successful and go viral. So yes, um, actually it's by okay, Jonah Berger. Nice. So why things can't catch Berger. on, Contagious. I think it's an interesting I read, like especially for fashion people. So like what makes things a hit? What makes things go viral? And Is there a science behind it or is it all luck? So I think it's a, a bit of both. And this book really dives into that. And I think that's a good one for fashion people.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate you. I think this was I amazing. Know. I love the fashion tech space and just like learning more about it and how, you know, we can continue to help consumers um, and help. Well, to me, they're one and the same. Consumers exactly. and Exactly. <laughs> um, businesses. Like we're all consumers. We're all clients. We're all exactly. you know, different things. And um just simplifying that entire thing like that's amazing i love that thank you so um, much for having also, me oh uh, yeah and thanks so thank you so much for like of reaching course. out too you know? i didn't even know I like you were to, another
1: yeah. liam alum so we got a good LIM yes which is alum. crazy i
0: was like and this is the that's the first time I've ever spoken to anyone who went to LAM. Like I always get like people from Parsons and FIT and you know, all of those places. But I've never actually like every time I tell someone I went to L.I.M., and like oh, I what's know.
1: That? Okay. So this one we gotta <laughs> um, tag the LIM alumni I'm page. Right.
0: We're gonna have to. Cause I was just like, yeah, I never like when I tell you never, like yeah, never me ever. So
1: we're
0: yeah, besides like the few classmates that I have, but they all I'm not a lot of them are entrepreneurs. Paying. Um I, I went to I like I to, When did I go to LAM? I went to LAM in twenty fourteen. Oh, so you right after me. I
1: went in twenty third. I grad graduated in twenty thirteen.
0: Right. Okay. So I went to graduate. I graduated in twenty. So yeah, you
1: came right after me. That's crazy. We just missed yeah. each other.
0: Yeah, because I moved to New York when I was twenty five. So that was six years ago. Yeah, I moved to New York when I was twenty five, and I did the one year just like knocked it out in 20, mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yep. Yep. Sure there we did. go. Oh wow. That's, That's what's amazing. Up. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much again. Um, And as I always say, stay black, peace out. And then I'll, Tara I'll definitely let you know when the episode's up. It'll be next. It comes out okay, next perfect. Tuesday. Perfect. Perfect. Thank, thank you, you so much. My skin to to right. uh, right, is black. What you looking at? My skin is black. What you looking at? My skin is black. What you looking at?